Well, I'm going to just speak with the Lord's light of my heart. I do want to talk to you a little bit about our outreach team, though. Uh, I want to keep the church engaged about, you know, what's going on. Um, you know, half the people in here are on the outreach team. But uh, raise your hand if you're on the outreach team. So if, if you are wondering, anybody that's on the outreach team, those are some of the people that are on the team. I really appreciate everybody that's there. Um, I kind of want to just share with you um, what our vision is as far as, you know, the church. We need to be in unity as a church. Does everybody agree with that? So I just want to kind of share with you um, our vision. You know, we're not, the outreach team isn't put there just to run all the outreaches and do everything. We want to empower the church. That's our vision, is that if people have uh, a vision for outreach, that that we want to help you implement that. We want to help uh, make that vision come into fruition. We want to help uh, put that into action. Uh, we want to bring um, action to this church. We want to uh, help get everybody else energized to be a part of it. So uh, when you hear about outreaches and stuff, um, don't just think that that's limited to the outreach team. The outreach team is the ones who are probably putting the legs to that to get it going, but we need the church to be behind us. We need to all be in unity together, okay? So I kind of want to share that with you. Um, the motto we kind of came up with as, as an outreach team um, that I believe is, is huge for our church is outreach is more than an event. It's a lifestyle. Outreach is more than just an event. It's not just an event. It's a lifestyle. So when you hear us talk about outreach, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, different events that we're going to be uh, doing and stuff. Um, but what we want to implement into the rest of the congregation is that outreach is not just about events and, and going and doing things. That outreach is a lifestyle that we all need to live. Does everybody agree with that? Man, you guys are way too quiet. I'm going to have to put in some headphones where there's people cheering. You guys could be booing me. I'd be like, yes, go Jesus. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you uh, for this time we could gather here together, Lord. I know that uh, I needed this today. I needed to hear this. I believe there's other people that need to hear this as well, Lord. Just speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm, always, I'm always blunt with you guys. I'm always real with you guys. Um, if there ever comes a time when I'm not real with you, I, I need to stop doing this. Um, in my walk, I'll admit that uh, this message here tonight kills me. Like a part of me is like, ah, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be speaking this um, because I'm speaking to myself just as much as I'm speaking to any of you. Um, one thing I've noticed that, you know, obviously I, I know I'm being called to to be a pastor, and Kayla and I are being called to you know ministry and stuff. Um, but one thing I've noticed is that sometimes you get so caught up in the work of the ministry that uh, you forget about the true ministry. And that's the case for me. Um, is that sometimes I get so caught up in this and there's, there's issues and this and this and that. And I'm only in a you know, youth ministry right now. I can only imagine what Pastor Grimes goes through. But sometimes you get so caught up into that. And um, when I'm the happiest and the fullest of joy is when I'm actually doing the work of the Lord, when you're out feeding the homeless, when you're out um, preaching the gospel to people. Uh, that's what the Bible tells us to do. Um, but I've been lacking there. I've been slacking there. Um, so I want to be real with you. So as we speak tonight, it's not like I'm up here saying, if anything, I see a big mirror in front of all of you, and I see myself in it. 
So if you guys see me just step off to the side or something, you know what's going on, okay? I want to read a couple of statistics here. I really want to make us think. Our outreach team is going to be putting together a lot of, we need to be active in our community. I think we don't, I'm just going to be blunt, we've done a bad job of it. But we need to get better at it. That's the positive. We're going to get better at it. We're going to get more active in our community. We need to be active in our schools. We need to be active in the trailer park. We need to be active as a body of Christ. We build up the kingdom first, but we should be building up OBC as well. God's put us here for a reason. Um, we're going to get better at that. But the aspect that I want to talk about tonight is, is more along the witnessing side of outreach. So a lot of this is going to be centered around that. Every two seconds, or every second, two people die. I want you to think about that for a second. By the time I just said that, ten people died. Every second, two people die. Let that sink in for a minute. By the time you wake up in the morning, over 150,000 people will have passed on to eternity. Every second, two people die. By the time you wake up tomorrow, over 150,000 people will have passed away into eternity. Do you care? Do I care? A lot of us are probably like, yeah, I definitely care. Mark Cahill preaches this a lot, and his follow-up question to that is, do you care enough to do something about it? It's quiet. I had a feeling it might be. I read something by a, a man named Stephen M. Pike. It's in an article. Um, I wanted to read this. This is kind of, this is just wow. It says, in spite of evidence to the contrary, many church members believe the number of existing churches is adequate for the work of evangelism. But research shows that even if every church in America were healthy and growing, the present number of churches could not adequately evangelize America. In fact, the current increase in churches is only a quarter of what we need to keep up with population growth. Far from being overchurched, America is drastically underchurched. The church-to-population ratio has been steadily declining for the past century. In 1900, there were 28 churches per every 10,000 Americans. By 1950, the number had dropped to 17 for every 10,000 Americans. In 2000, there were only 12 churches per 10,000. And in 2004, the ratio was down to 11 per 10,000. Church researcher David Olson shares the startling reality... That since 1990, the percentage of Americans attending church each week has plummeted from 20.4% in 1990 to 17.5% in 2005. The state with the highest level of church attendance is Louisiana, which has only 28% of its citizens in a house of worship during any given week. Depending on who is counting, America is either the uh, third or 14th largest mission field in the world. If America were a nation on the other side of the world, we would be tireless in our efforts to send missionaries. Hmm. He says, in a spiritual sense, America has become the dark continent. 
It's been said that only 2% of Christians share their faith on a regular basis. Let some of these things sink in. I know this isn't like a woohoo message, but just let this sink in a little bit. It's been said that only 2% of all Christians in America share their faith on a regular basis. Promise Keepers has said that 90% of Christian men have never shared their faith. When we do outreach events and when we implement different outreach things for this church, it's going to be great. But I believe there's one big lie that, that we've let the enemy bring into the church. And, and you hear it said a lot. And it's that, you know, we just need to do nice things for people. But there is no such thing as love without truth. We just need to get that out there right now. We talked about this as an outreach team. All our outreaches need to be centered around Jesus Christ. Jake, Evan, come up here. You stand over here, Evan. You stand right there, Jake. I just want to give you a little bit of example. Let's say that, uh, let's say that I'm walking down the street and I trip and fall. All right, so I'm going to fall down. I hope I don't hurt myself. But I fall down. Evan's here. Thanks, Evan. And then I come over here, and, oh, I'm clumsy. I fall again, and Jake helps me up. With that example, I ask you, which one of these is the Christian? You guys can sit down. Doing nice things for people isn't preaching the gospel. You see, Evan could have been an atheist and Jake could have been a Christian. And there would have been only one difference between them and that's if the Christian would have opened his mouth to proclaim Jesus Christ. But in that case, which is in most cases, that it's so much easier for us just to do nice things. Trust me, it's so much easier. I can hold the door for people and I can be kind. I can pay for people's meals. I can do this. I can do that. We can do great things. But guess what? There are atheists out there who also, although they don't believe, there's also atheists out there who do believe in doing good things. What's the separation? I say all this because we are going to become an outreach-minded church we are going to get into this community. We are going to be doing events. We are going to be doing all these things, but we're not going to be doing it for this. We're not going to be doing it just to be doing nice things. We're going to be doing it to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Another thing that I think we need to be uh, cautious of is is it's so easy to say, I'm going to build a relationship up with them first before I tell them about Jesus. I'm going to tell you for me, after I know you better, it's harder for me to tell you about Jesus. The hardest people for me to talk to would be my neighbors. Why? We have a close relationship. We live right next door. We share a driveway. 
I don't want to talk to them. I'm just being honest with you. It's like, mm, mm. Now you bring a stranger across my path, I would much rather talk to the stranger. Don't get caught up in thinking, I, I gotta, we got to build up relationships. I don't want to come off as that, that wacky person who just talks about Jesus. i got to build a relationship. No. In fact, if you look at studies, most of the accounts in the New Testament where they testified about Jesus were talking to strangers. Not where they had built up relationships. So it doesn't matter who, when, where. We should be able to proclaim the name of Jesus. I got three points I just want to share with you tonight. I think this will probably be pretty short. The first one is we need to get radical. (laughs) We need to get radical. This is where you guys get a little excited now. We need to get radical. Mark 16, 15 through 18 says, and he said to them, this is Jesus, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink. And if they drink anything deadly, it will uh, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Look, that's the church and acts that we see is that they are fulfilling all these things, but I want you to take notice that the first thing it says is go into the world and preach the gospel. I think oftentimes people are like, we want to see signs and we want to see wonders, but we don't want to speak about it. I'll be honest, I wonder if the reason in America that we don't see too many healings and we don't see too many things happening even inside the church is because we're only willing to open up in our mouths about Jesus inside the church. You look in other countries that are not surrounded by worldly things all the time, and I'm not saying all worldly things are bad, but they're not surrounded by all these distractions. You look in other countries and there is miracles taking place daily probably. There's miracles taking place all the time. Why? Because they have a desperation for one thing, and that's Jesus. And when they come across that knowledge, they have a heart to do one thing, and that's tell somebody else about Jesus. Not just on Sundays. They don't just come together when it's time to celebrate Jesus together and talk about it. No, things are happening outside because they boldly share Jesus Christ with people. It says these things will follow preaching. These things will follow after you tell them about Jesus. I still believe that all those signs and wonders still stand today. There's some people that don't. I believe they still stand, but I believe we will start seeing them more and more when we step outside and open our mouths. I looked up the definition of radical. I spoke on a Wednesday like two or three years ago and talked about radical a little bit. But that word radical, I love that word radical. We need to, we need to, people in the New Testament, when they're looking at some of the people in Acts, when they're looking at some of the apostles, I mean, at one point it even says, are these men drunk? They weren't acting drunk. They were doing things that they didn't understand. Speaking in languages they didn't understand. They're like, what are you, you're speaking in a foreign language. You don't know how to speak. You're just an ordinary man. They were looked down upon, but they looked at these men and they're like, wait a minute. Those men were radical. 
They were radically on fire for Jesus Christ. They had one mission, and that was to save everybody. If they didn't want saved, they brushed their shoulders off, and they keep going. Shake the dirt off and go. Somebody else will hear this. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people getting saved. Because there were some radical men and women after Jesus. The word radical, relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something. Far-reaching or thorough. I love this part. Depart from tradition, innovative or progressive. And I love this part too. Or it can be relating to the root of something. An example, the root or stem base of a plant. I believe that it's time we as a church need to break from man-made standards and traditions. We need to break out of the ordinary. It's time that we start being innovative, progressive, while getting back to the root of how they did it in the Bible. That's radical. That's radical. That we don't need to walk outside and be like, oh, I'm so nervous about this. Who cares? I'm speaking to myself too. I go through stretches where I'm real bold and people are looking like, this dude is nuts. And I go through other stretches where I'm like, I knew I had to do something today. I was like, I can't get up here. I, we were in McDonald's today. You want to know how to get somebody that maybe doesn't know Jesus to preach Jesus for you? This is a way. This is fun. We were in McDonald's, and we went through the drive-thru. No, we were at Burger King. Went through the drive-thru, paid for our food. I, just, I said, how much is the guys behind me? And she said, $4. I'm like, yes, got off easy on that one. Because um, once you ask that, I mean, you're pretty much set for it, you know. And uh, I did see there was only one guy in the car. She said, $4. And I said, you know, go ahead. And she paid for it, and she said, that's awesome. Now, see, I could have drove away, and they just thought it was a good deed. But I was like, no, I had a couple tracks with me. And I said, here, if you don't mind, just give this to this person and tell them a Christian one to bless them. So that person kind of looks at me. She may not know the Lord, but guess what? She's going to hand him the gospel. <laughs> I'm like, yep. And I hand her one too. You know, make sure she gets the word too. But if you want to get somebody that maybe doesn't know Jesus to preach the gospel, there's a good way right there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Look, in Acts, the church grew, right? Rapidly. Like crazy, the church grew. The church didn't grow because of the summer, summer bash in the, Old Te- or in the New Testament. It didn't grow because of events like the summer bash or because of pop outreaches or because the apostles and disciples cleaned up the neighborhood or because they held doors for people. The church grew because a radical group of people who were empowered by the Holy Spirit radically preached the gospel for every creature. Did they do good deeds? For sure. But good deeds will never deliver anybody from hell. We see so many signs and wonders and acts. They spoke in tongues. They literally spoke in a native language. They didn't know how to speak. And people were getting saved because they were preaching the word. In every outreach that we do, in our daily lives, remember, outreach is more than just an event. It's a what? We need to create a lifestyle where we are radically on fire for God and we are willing to preach to anybody and everybody. Hmm. Number two, you must be willing to die. 
Philippians 1, verses 19 through 22. It says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what shall I choose, I cannot tell. Paul had a great understanding of this. Obviously, if you know the context of Philippians, the man's putting in prison. He's put in prison, and what is he? He's put in prison for what? Talking about Jesus. And he's in prison, and what does he do? Talks about Jesus. Think about that. Now, we're here in America, and we're like, hmm, I mean, what's our daily stresses? What am I going to eat for lunch? Do I want McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King? Oh, I'm trying to eat healthy. I'm going to go to Bob Evans and get grilled chicken. I mean, think about this. But Paul, he had a totally different mindset. This, remember, this was a guy that was told, you persecuted people in my name. Now you're going to be persecuted for my name. He knew it going into it. How many people would sign up for Christianity if it's like, you're going to get beat. Um, you're almost going to die multiple times. We're gonna, they're going to throw you in jail. Um, yeah, your life's going to be pretty crazy. How many people would be like, I'm in. Sign me up. That's what Paul did. He said, sign me up because until I die, I'm going to use every breath that I have to tell every creature that I come in contact with about Jesus Christ. And if they want to chain me up, it's whatever because when I'm in prison, I'm going to preach about Jesus. And guess what? The people in prison, if they want to mock, I don't care because they're still talking about my Jesus. (laughs) I watched a video today. I'll be honest, I wanted to show it, but I, I didn't think it would be right. Call me crazy, but I, I researched a, a video of, of ISIS actually beheading somebody. I, I wanted to watch it. Call me weird, whatever. You know, we see the news and you see the pictures where they're lined up and they're in their orange jumpsuits or whatever, and they're just, they're on their knees, but that's all they show you. But if you research, there's videos after video, after picture, after picture of, of the real thing. It'll mess you up. Christians dying left and right. They messed me up. It made me sick. <laughs> Mm. You know, the sickest thing about it is, is there's a, a man, you know, these Christians over there, men of God, women of God, children of God, who are being told, all you have to do is deny. It's all you have to do is deny. And they boldly stand up for Jesus Christ. They continue to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, surrounded by 25, 50 men, I would say, all cheering laughing, celebrating as they take, not a, not a sword, man. I thought you know, they just chop, no, not a sword. They literally take a knife about this big and saw it off. 
mess me up. And we talk here in America, we're like, Christians are like, I'm willing to die. Yeah, I'm willing to die. But the reality is, is that we won't even open up our mouths because we're worried about what someone's going to think. I'll get a nudge from the Holy Spirit to speak to somebody about Jesus, and I don't want to do it. I don't want to open up my mouth because I'm worried about what are they going to think about me. But there's people, our brothers in Christ in other countries who are being told, you have an option here. You deny or you proclaim. I honestly believe even if they deny, they'd probably still kill him. I do. But they don't deny They proclaim the name of Jesus. They preach the name of Jesus even unto death because they know the reality of what Paul was saying because for them to live is Christ, but to die is gain. But here we get so worried about stuff. People are upset with church. I get upset sometimes. I'm like, I wish I could see this. And people are like, I wish this was different. And we complain. I like the lights off. I'll be honest. We had the lights on. I'm like, I wish we could worship with the lights off. And other people are like, I wish we could worship with the lights on. And I'm doing this today. And I'm like, what in the world is wrong with me? What is wrong with us as a church body? The reason that we're not content is not because of things on Sunday morning. It's because we're not radically sold out for Jesus. Point blank. If you're sold out for Jesus, the little things inside the church are not going to affect you. Are you really willing to die for Jesus Christ? You know, in America, put that on speaker so they can hear this. You know, in America, we don't have to really worry about that. Do I think it's coming? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll see it. I don't know when, but I think it's coming for sure. But we don't really have to worry about that. So it's really hard for us to understand that reality. But if that reality became a reality, where would you be? It's time we stop worrying about what others think. We're going to have lots of opportunities with outreaches and different things. We're going to come in contact with a lot of different people. And we need to start opening up our mouths and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. Because there's people that we are passing by. Listen, every second, two people die. Every second, two people die. When we wake up, over 150,000 people have passed on to eternity. Do we care enough to do something about it? Do we care enough to open up our mouths and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ? Are we so worried about our schedules and what we need to do and the things that we have planned and the things that we need to take care of that when we know that we need to be speaking about Jesus Christ? And I don't even believe you always have to have a nudge from the Holy Spirit because when you want to do it like this, you're going to find time to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even when you don't feel like doing it. But are we going to be willing to do it even when we have other things that we're supposed to be doing? I don't want to be late for dinner. I haven't eaten in four hours. People's lives are at risk. Number three, it's time to start fishing. 
(laughs) It's time to start fishing. Mark chapter 1, verse 17 says, Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. I want to read something uh, out of one of my Bibles I have. When I read this one day, uh, there's been a lot of things that have really kind of broken me lately, which is good. I need it. Um, But when I read this one day, I sat back and I was like, I think think you'll understand. It's called the Parable of the Fishless Fisherman Fellowship. Has anybody ever heard this? says they were surrounded by streams and lakes full of hungry fish they met regularly to discuss the call to fish the abundance of fish and the thrill of catching fish they got excited about fishing someone suggested that they needed a philosophy of fishing and the purpose of uh, and the purpose of fishing they developed fishing strategies and tactics then they realized that they had that they had been going about it backwards They had approached fishing from the point of view of the fishermen and not from the point of view of the fish. How do fish view the world? How does the fisherman appear to the fish? What do fish eat and when? These are all good things to know, so they began research studies at the... um, They did research studies and attended conferences on fishing. Some traveled to faraway places to study different kinds of fish with different habits. Some got doctorates in fishology, but no one had yet gone fishing. So a committee was formed to send out fishermen. As prospective fishing places outnumbered fishermen, the committee needed to determine priorities. A priority list of fishing places was posted on bulletin boards in all the fellowship halls, but still no one was fishing. A survey was launched to find out why. Most did not answer the survey, but from those who did, it was discovered that some felt called to study fish, a few to furnish fishing equipment, and several to go around encouraging the fishermen. What with meeting conferences and seminars, they just simply didn't have time to fish. Now, Jake was a newcomer to the Fisherman's Fellowship. After one stirring meeting of fellowship, he went fishing and caught a large fish. At the next meeting, he told a story and was honored for his catch. He was told that he had a special gift of fishing. He was then scheduled to speak at all, um, at all the fellowship chapters on how he did it. With all the speaking invitations and his election to the board of directors of the Fisherman's Fellowship, Jake no longer had time to go fishing. But soon he began to feel restless and empty. He longed to feel the tug on the line again. So he canceled his speaking. He resigned from the board, and he said to a friend, let's go fishing. They did, just the two of them, and they caught fish. The members of the Fisherman's Fellowship were many. The fish were plentiful. But the fishers were few. Author Anonymous. I read that, and I had that same reaction. I said, wow. I, I just sat back, and I'm like, I mean, speechless almost. I believe God's got big things in store for this church. I really do. I believe that God's got 
big things in store for this church. And like I said, we are going to become, we are becoming an outreach-minded church. We are going to get plugged into this community. We are going to come in contact with people that we didn't know. And the gas stations that don't know who we are right now, the attendants there, they're going to know who we are. The schools are going to know who we are. But above that, they're going to know who our God is. It's time that we start fishing. We could get up here and talk about fishing every week, and we could talk about philosophies of fishing. We could talk about how to reach the lost and what to say, and we could talk about everything in this book all the time, but it doesn't mean anything if we aren't willing to go out and put our line in the water to catch some fish. Look, the fact of the matter is this. is Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. I will, you will become fishers of men if you follow me. This is the fact of the matter. Is that if you are radically sold out and you truly are willing to die, you don't care about anything. Look, I love my wife to death, but if I need to lay down my life for the cost of Christ, that comes first. I love my kids to death, but if I need to lay down my life for the price of of speaking salvation into somebody else's life, that comes first. She knows that. I'm not saying I always practice that. But the fact of the matter is this, is that when you are radically sold out, when you know that you know that you are sold out for Jesus, that there is nothing else that matters, that if you were to pass away, that you can say the same thing that Paul said because you know that that is gain. When you are radically sold out for Jesus Christ, when you are truly following him, so many people say, I'm following him, and I bet if you were to ask, how many people have you talked to about Jesus lately, it would get kind of silent. When you're radically sold out for Jesus, and you truly are following after him, you will be a fisherman. You will do what the word says. You will preach the gospel to every creature. You'll go to school, youth, and you don't care what your friends say. You don't care about your popularity. You don't care if they're going to call you names. You don't care what they're going to do to you. It's whatever because you know that preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is more important. You know that telling your friends who are bound to Satan's chains right now, who are going to hell, you know it's more important to tell them about the salvation that will set them free from the sin that's going to condemn them. And adults, I would have to venture to say that we're in the same boat. It's so easy to go through our daily lives and not open up our mouths. We're so easy to come to church and worship Jesus here when you're surrounded by a bunch of other people who love Jesus. It's really easy to do that. Would you agree? But when you step outside these four walls, it's intimidating. It can be. Let's just be real. It's intimidating. But it doesn't change the fact that that's what we're called to do. And the more we practice it, the better we get. There's going to be times when we probably leave the conversation. I do. I leave conversations sometimes, and I'm like, I probably, you know, I'll recognize next time this. And you'll see different things. But the fact of the matter is, is when you're opening up your mouth to speak about Jesus, you're doing what you're called to do. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll be able to speak life into people. Not everybody's going to want it. Jesus does the saving. We just plant the seeds. Some plant, some water. Jesus gives the increase. Outreach isn't about an event. What it really comes down to is people who want to share the love of God by word and deed, not for selfish gain, but to rescue a lost world from hell. 
it's time that we become a body that does outreach, preaches the gospel, and gives to our community. That's my heart that I wanted to share with you today. today. I really believe in this closing time. Um, is Jake gone? Um, we don't have to have music. It doesn't matter. But I really believe that, that maybe you're at the place where you're like, you know what, I truly, I'm, I'm not there. But I believe the people that are ready to be sold out, and I'm telling you, if you're not ready, don't come up here. Do not come up here. Because if you don't mean it, don't, don't waste your time. I'm just being honest with you. Just, if, if it's not for you tonight, don't come up here. But if you're sitting in a seat and you're like, this is me. It's time that I get radically sold out for Jesus Christ. It's time that I start opening my mouth to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time that I stop worrying about what the world says and what people are going to think of me. And I might lose a couple friends. Shoot, I saw uh, a Facebook on Stephanie and a friend who got really hostile because Stephanie tried to share the gospel. It's going to happen sometimes, but you can't worry about it because you're trying to save that person by speaking the truth. And if they don't want to hear it, that's on them. But they will thank you one day, one way or another. If they're on their way to heaven, they're going to thank you. And if they're on their way to hell, they will still thank you because you tried to share Jesus with them. And if you're here tonight and you know that you're ready to be sold out and committed to stand up for Jesus Christ, I want you to come up here. And I want us to join together to be praying over one another. I, don't, I need you guys to pray for me just as much as some of you need prayer. So we're going to join together and just pray for one another. You guys okay with that? All right.